Let's pray this prayer of uh, confession together. Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing you have made and forgive the sins of all who are penitent. Create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we may obtain of you the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Before you're seated, turn around, uh, greet one another, uh, maybe two or three people, names and all of that. All right, you may be seated, everyone. Good evening on this Ash Wednesday. It is so good to see all of you here today. On Ash Wednesday, we joined the church around the world in, uh, in embracing, really, and in, in confessing before God our brokenness, our weakness. We kick off the Lenten season uh, on this day, uh, 40 days of, of really turning back to God and inviting God and uh, offering ourselves to God in repentance and fasting and and all of that for God to really uh, bring new life out of us, out of the dust of our lives here. And uh, I'm so excited that you're here to uh, celebrate this together. Uh, a couple of things before uh, we hear our meditation today. Um, we have our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality uh, course coming up on February 24th. And so if you're a new life, if you're, maybe you're visiting, uh, we, this is a, a, a course that's led by uh, Pete and Jerry Scazzaro. Pete's going to be leading it. I'll be teaching, teaching a course one of those nights as well. Uh, you can register online. But this is our core formation course at New Life Fellowship. That if you want to know who we are as a church and you want to know how we're following Christ in this local church community, that EHS course is indispensable uh, to knowing who we are as a church family. Uh, in addition to that, in your bulletin, there is a... Uh, a small group insert. And so if you're coming to New Life and you're not connected in a small group, uh, one of the things we want to do is help you to get connected in a group of whether it's five, six, seven people in your neighborhood in a similar uh, age range, shared interests, what have you. And so if you'd like more information on how to get connected, you can fill that out. And uh, you can, Phil will be in the back there. Peter will be in the back. I'll be there around here. So if you want to fill that out, uh, you can drop it off in the back. Now today, uh, we are going to hear a message, and then I'll explain uh, our centers around the room today. But I want to introduce our, uh, our speaker for tonight. Uh, Annalie uh, Winans is a new lifer, and uh, she's also the area director of New Jersey and New York uh, for InnoVarsity. Uh, a lot of InnoVarsity folks come into new life here, and uh, she's also a campus minister at NYU. And so she spends a lot of her time on campus doing campus ministry for uh, graduate uh, uh, and faculty ministries. And uh, as I thought about Ash Wednesday and I was, I've been in conversation with Anne, I thought it would be really nice to uh, have her share tonight, offer a reflection that really could kick us off in this Lenten season. And so um, Anne is going to, this is her first time, so she's an Elmhurst resident as well. She's a new lifer. And so uh, I know it's a little like Ash Wednesday, a little, oh, but we're going to give her a big ovation tonight. And so Anna, come up forward. Let's welcome Anna as she comes to, to share. Good evening. 
Welcome to our Ash Wednesday service. Again, my name is Anna Lee Winans, and I am an area director with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship and a part of New Life Fellowship. Uh, let me pray for us. Jesus, we say that your Holy Spirit is welcome in this place. And God, this is um, the beginning of a season where we um, intentionally enter into wilderness. We intentionally enter into a time of self-reflection and an intentional invitation for you to search us and know us, to know our innermost being and to lead us into the life everlasting, the life abundant. So Holy Spirit, we say you are welcome here. Show us what is the good way. Bless me in the speaking and bless us in the hearing. I pray this for the sake of your kingdom, amen. So Ash Wednesday, is the first day that ushers in the season in the church calendar called Lent. And Lent is a period of 40 days, not including Sundays, that lead up to Easter. This is a time where we prepare our hearts and we remember the great acts of God, specifically that Jesus uh, rescues us from sin, from death, through this cross, and his resurrection from the dead. Now in a few minutes, we'll be receiving ashes on our forehead, um, and it's in the sign of the cross. And these ashes were made from the palms that were burned, um, like palm leaves and branches that were burned from last year's Palm Sunday. You'll hear the person giving you ashes say, remember you are dust, and to dust you will return. And this is actually from Genesis 3.19. This mark, this mark is a profound mark, brothers and sisters, and it points to the greatest sin that we hold and that it points to God's greatest gift of grace given to us, right? You see, one chapter later, from Genesis 3.19, we get to Genesis 4. And Genesis 4 tells this fascinating story about one man in the Bible who also gets to have a symbol, a mark on himself that points to his greatest sin and God's greatest grace. Let me read it for us, if we could bring it to the screen. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions of some of the firstborn of his flocks. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord says to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain says to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacks his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, 
Your brother's blood cries out from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When your work, when you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain says to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. Genesis 4 tells this fascinating story of two brothers, one named Cain and one named Abel. Cain is a farmer, Abel is a shepherd. Now the story goes on that both Cain and Abel come before God and give him the sacrifice. And for whatever reason, God favors Abel's sacrifice and does not favor Cain's. Now, scripture says that Cain burns with jealousy towards his brother and anger towards God. And God says to Cain, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching on your door. It desires to have you. You must um, rule over it. Now, Cain, as the story goes, does not listen to God. Cain tricks his brother, attacks him, and kills him. Cain famously says to God, am I my brother's keeper? When God asks him, what have you done? What have you done? Now, Yahweh God's response to Cain is interesting, right? Cain, your actions have cursed you. You've become unrooted from the ground that you work on. You've become unrooted from your calling as a son, as a brother, even as a farmer. You will be a restless wanderer on this earth. And Cain responds like this, I can't bear this punishment. You are driving me from the land. I'm going to be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer and people are going to kill me, whoever finds me. And look what God says. He says, no, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer God's vengeance. The Lord puts a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. Now, we don't know what the mark of Cain looks like, but it's this horrific thought that you would be marked physically with your worst sin, that you are a brother killer, and that you would walk the earth and everyone would see it. And yet, strangely enough, this mark of Cain is also the mark that says Cain has received God's grace and is under God's protection. There's a priest friend of mine named Malin Sajwal who points out to the profoundness of this symbol, right? It speaks both of condemnation. The blood testifies that you have sinned, you have killed your brother, and at the same time, salvation. But you will not be killed. It speaks of judgment. You are a brother killer and grace, but I will not let anyone kill you. 
It speaks of death. You are separated from God's presence. And it speaks of life. If anyone messes with Cain, they mess with God because God is near and he's watching. All of this is gathered together in this one symbol, this mark of Cain. And similarly today, we are about to receive a profound mark that speaks the same paradox, my friends, that we are about to receive a mark that symbolizes our greatest sin that we betray, refuse, we walk away from, we kill Jesus. We are brother killers like Cain. And yet Jesus has come to save and rescue us through this very same cross, this very mark of the cross out of ashes on our foreheads. From this cross comes new life. Now ashes have always, always been a symbol of mourning and repentance throughout the Bible. Whenever something horrific happened, it didn't matter if it happened to you because you did it to yourself or someone else did it to you or something happened, some natural disaster. The response was always ashes on my head and I would rend my clothes and wear sackcloth, which is kind of like this really rough cloth. And it was symbolic of repentance that your whole body would take on this symbol of I repent. Now, my friends, I know repentance has a, heavy, um, has a heavy feel and it has a lot of cultural baggage, but repent actually, um, it actually means only to turn. And specifically, it means to turn 180 degrees in the other direction, right? So you would be turning away from brokenness and towards God, this wholeness. Brothers and sisters, this Ash Wednesday, this season of Lent, by receiving the mark of these ashes, this mark of the cross, we declare ourselves and to the world that we are like Cain, that we choose, um, we are like Cain, but we choose to be unlike Cain in that we choose to be a people who turn. Unlike Cain, we are mindful of God's warning and invitation. Remember what God said to Cain, do what is right and you will be accepted. Sin is crouching on your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Listen to this. This is how we are different from Cain. And this is what we say to Cain tonight and we say to ourselves. We say this, Cain and everyone called by God, do what is right. Turn from jealousy with what you do not have, your brother's favor status, station in life, money, someone else's situation, whatever it is that brings forward this mess. Cain and everyone here called by God, we are accepted by God. Instead of being angry with God, have we considered asking God why our offering is not acceptable? What is going on, Lord? I bet God wants to tell us more than we care to hear. Cain and everyone here called by God, we are called to this self-awareness to know what tempts us, to see the sin crouching at my door, to see what desires to have me apart from God. Cain and everyone else in this room called by God, we have been given power to rule over our sin especially through the very cross that we would mark on our foreheads this night. Now you're saying, Anna, that's, that's nice. But how do I get there? How do we get there? My friends, 
this is where Lent comes in. This is the place where we become attentive enough to hear God in his invitation and his warnings to us. During Lent, the church would traditionally fast, as Rich was saying, Pastor Rich. Um, they would fast to things like food or luxury or alcohol or meat or sweets. And they would take that money that they would have spent and time and they would have given it to the poor. And the point of this was not so much giving up something as it was this. It was about spring cleaning. You're spring cleaning your soul. In that next slide, according to Ruth Haley Barton, um, you're asking yourself these questions. And I'm going to go through the questions fast, so some of you should take out your phone and take a picture and meditate on it later, right? So the questions are this. How will I give? Lent is a time for giving things up, balanced by giving to those in need. How will I pray? As we give up some of our usual distractions and we make space for prayer, is there a particular prayer practice, like praying the daily office, which is a book downstairs you could purchase, um, silent prayer or intercessory prayer or centering prayer? What is it for you that God is inviting you to? Next, who do I need to forgive? And from whom do I need to seek forgiveness? Forgiveness creates this conduit for God's grace to flow into our, life, our lives with others. Questions are, how do I fast? What distracts me from alert attention to my relationship with God? What do I need to abstain from in order to be more aware of my hunger to God? What earthly treasures am I attached to, and how can I let go? Is there any specific earthly treasure I'm attached to, time, money, energy, success, um, that I am being called to steward differently or let go of entirely, at least in this season? Now, I ask these questions, and I know that the trickiness of this season is when we refrain from our usual routine, we will feel hunger. My friends, you will feel sadness, you will feel emptiness, you will feel negative feelings of jealousy and anger like Cain, and it's all within. And I wanna say the appropriate response then is to mourn, to lament, and to repent. You have permission during Lent to mourn to weep, to sob, to cry out about the sorry state of your soul when all this stuff comes bubbling up. And then you have permission to turn to God, 180, who is whole and who makes us whole when we turn to him. You, brothers and sisters, and I have permission to do what Cain did not have permission to do. And what Cain didn't do, he had permission, excuse me. And it's in this morning that we enter into the loving, healing, restoring, redeeming presence of God. Friends, did you know that there is victory in the morning? Remember you are dust, and to dust you will return. This is power, my friends. This is victory to acknowledge that we have an end to ourselves 
and therefore we must turn to the one without end. You know, after seven years in full-time ministry, I took a sabbatical as InterVarsity grants us, and I was expecting my sabbatical to be wonderful. I would be on a beach with a drink with an umbrella on it, (laughs) and I would totally rest, and it would be nothing but happy, happy, joy, joy, right? It was gonna be this awesome time. But then a friend, she kind of warned me. She said, you know, Anna, um, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when you find out how angry you are. I said, what are you talking about? I'm one of the most happiest people I know. I mean, what, what? So I totally did not get what she was talking about until midway through. I realized, oh my goodness, my soul, I'm so angry. And when I stopped all the busy, frenetic life and routine that I had taken on in ministry as a professional Christian, right? I'm a Christian for a living. When I made room for God, in this way, all the violence that my soul had experienced, all the stored up disappointment that I had, that I thought, oh, this totally just rolls off me. No, it had absorbed into the fabric of my soul and left this stain and I couldn't get it out. All of this hot mess just came rising to the surface. And I realized how much of my life was like those palm branches that they burn. You know, before that happened, those palm branches were waved to welcome Jesus triumphantly into Jerusalem. They were waved in victory, they were waved in hubris, they began as a procession of triumph, and I was welcoming Jesus, I thought, and that they had been burned into ash, into places of betrayal, of pain, and of death. But you know, that's where I realized that I had ended. And I realized this is where Jesus began. That in my weakness, he suddenly was the strong one. And he needed to be, and he was. So brothers and sisters tonight, where are the places of ash for you? The history of mourning, the places of death, of hopelessness, of abandonment, Ask this question, what can God do with ash? What can God do with ash? What can God do with those burned out places in this room? This mark of Ash Wednesday, this season of Lent, dares to say, this place of death is the place where new life begins. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much that this is true. And yet you call us to enter into this wilderness, to not skip straight to the resurrection. You invite us to come here, come here, to the place of waiting, to the place of watching, to the place of seeing. God, give us a different story than Cain. God, give us a testimony where we were the ones We were the ones who saw that you accepted us. We were the ones who did as you invited. We were the ones who recognized the sin crouching at the door, what tempted us, and that we were the ones who who used the power and authority to rule over it. We entrust that to your care. We entrust the season into your care. Guard our lives, we pray in your name. Amen.
Thank you, Anna. As we move to uh, a portion of our service to receive ashes, and uh, there's a couple of other centers that I want to go over, uh, I want to give us a moment just to be still again uh, as we hear uh, uh, the proclamation of who God is in Christ for us in this season of Lent. And so uh, I'm going to ask, actually, that uh, the folks that are going to be uh, administering the ashes here just to, uh, to come to your area. On my left-hand side, uh, you can line up there, and we'll have an usher or so just uh, to get you there. And you can, uh, as they uh, place the ashes on your forehead, they'll put it in the sign of the cross, as Anna mentioned. Um, From dust you came to dust you shall return. And may that, uh, as uh, Psalm 90 talks about, uh, may we remember the, the finitude of our lives and out of that place live with an abundance of, of love and joy and peace uh, that God offers for us today. So we have that as one center. We also have the cross here. Uh, as Vernon Manning says, the cross is the symbol of our salvation and it's the pattern for our lives. And in Lent, we take up our cross and we follow Christ together. And so you can come, you can kneel as long as you'd like. Uh, to be by the cross, be with Jesus at the cross. And, and to my right, you see those folks sitting over there. Uh, we've gathered, gathered folks to pray for each other, to pray for you. And um, there, at every area, there's going to be two people to pray for you if you would like to receive prayer. And so uh, what I ask you to do is if you see an empty chair, if there's two people sitting there, there's an empty chair, you can go there. Um, uh, don't knock each other over, okay, as we're going over there. Uh, not a good way to begin Lent. Um, but if there's an open chair, you know, go there. And if, you, if you're waiting, you can, you can wait to the side as uh, one opens up. And just use this opportunity. God wants to speak to you, I'm sure. We want to bear our burdens. We want to enter into intercessory prayer with one another. And so we have the ashes here. We have the cross here. We have uh, the intercessory prayer on that side there. And you can stay in your seat right here as long as you like as we uh, uh, usher in this Lenten season together. So let me pray for us. And uh, you can uh, uh, go as you please there. So, Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the community uh, that's here gathered to usher in this Lenten season. And, Lord, as we receive uh, marks on our forehead, as we uh, come to the cross, as we receive prayer, I ask that you would encounter us in great ways, that we would be open to you. And that in this season, we would hear your voice and see you moving in ways that we have not seen or heard before. May you give us a heart to receive every good gift you have for us. And so we offer you the rest of this evening, Lord. May your kingdom come in us. May your will be done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said.